Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. Welcome back to What I Wish I Knew. In this episode today, we also welcome back our superstar, Dr. Chidam Kapel, who today will be interviewing Dr. Mitesh Vasant. Today's episode is focused all on our recent graduates. They're going to dive into such questions as, where do you want to work? What kinds of practices do you want to work at? What's the culture and the environment like of the practice? How might the practice you work at influence the treatment you are going to undertake? What's the mentorship like? And what can you yourself bring to the practice that can help contribute to the already established team? All this to be answered in today's episode. When I graduated, I worked in a clinic where I eventually ended up in the role of mentor to new graduates. And I enjoyed teaching them. I've enjoyed helping mentor dentists and help them grow as, um, as clinicians. And you know, being in that position, being a practice owner now, I have had the opportunity to interview dozens of, of dentists. We're reaching that stage of the year at the moment where graduates will be looking at or, or have already started interviewing and picking that place to work. And I noticed there are more ads than ever, like oh, people yeah. are desperate for dentists. Yeah. Um, the, um, you and I are both like practice owners. You and I yeah. are always on the lookout yeah. for new dentists. So the the, the de- supply and demand has changed a little. Yeah. But what advice would you give to young graduates mm-hmm. looking for that first place to work and why is it so important to yeah. be wise about this decision yeah well <laughs> um i'm sure you can agree i mean n- now is very very different to when i graduated when i graduated i was cold calling clinics to try to get a position and yeah sending emails and trying you know, trying my best to find somewhere and now there's as you said there's more jobs than ever so there. Because there's that that amount of choice, uh, new graduates are in a unique position where they can uh, they can be a bit more picky about where they go. Uh, it's not so much going to the first place that says yes to you. Uh, instead, you try to find the place where your values align and um, and the place you think would support your growth as a clinician. Because after graduation, that it's a very very steep learning curve. Practically for our young graduates, how can what advice can you give them to actually pick the place? How how would they go about this process? Well, most clinics now will have, you know, they'll they'll have the obvious. They'll have the website. They'll have their social media. Um, You can go through that and see what sort of things they post. Um, Are they posting mostly generic pictures, or do they have pictures of their team? Um, You know, that that may give you an idea of the culture of the clinic. I used to call clinics and um, have a chat to reception, and I'd use that information when I was emailing the practice owner. So um, I'd say you know, I had a great chat with Sally on reception or something like that, and I, I think that's given how warm and friendly she is, I think that um, this is the type of place I'd like to work, something like that. So looking at the, um, looking at the culture and... I guess a bit of this is also knowing yourself and knowing what you value, because you know some some clinics are um, 
uh, and some practitioners may not be quite as driven for self-improvement. And if if you aren't, and the practice is, that could lead to friction or vice, you know, vice versa. Um, so knowing knowing that about yourself, knowing your values, and getting an idea of the values of the clinic that you're joining would would be quite helpful. And let's say a new graduate did identify, you know, a few places where they really identified with the culture or, or the values, at least as far as they could see on, you know, with the research they did. Mm. What kind of, I guess, what's the due diligence that, you know, you would need to do? What kind of questions should should new graduates be, what kind of questions should they be asking their new potential employers? That's a good question. So, in the past, the interview was very one-sided. It was the employer trying to decide who to pick. I think now things have swung back the other way, and it's up to the new graduates to ask, you know, to, to almost interview the uh, interview the clinic. And um, I think that the questions come down to your values again. So, so to me, uh, personal development is really important. So growing as a clinician and also growing as a person. Both of those things go hand in hand. So, um, you know, asking questions around that, um, you know, how can this clinic support my growth? What are the mentorship opportunities? Is it something where where I have to seek the help myself or will will someone be there to handhold it if I'm doing something that's beyond, if I'm trying to stretch myself? The more you learn about orthodontics, the more you see it applying to almost every case. It might not always be necessary, but it's almost always an option. So then you think, I want to do aligners for my patients, and your challenge is to learn how to do that to a high standard. But once you've learned that, many people find that the challenge then is how do you actually make that work within your practice? How do you make this efficient and therefore profitable enough for you to be able to provide that to your patients in private practice? There's two people I think about when I think about aligners and then practice management. That's Dr. Jeff Hall and Dr. Jesse Green. And now they've come together to create Clear Aligner Excellence, their new education platform that is aiming to solve both of these problems for you in your practice while also giving you huge discounts off the major aligner therapy companies. Over the next six years, aligner therapy is forecast to increase by 28%. This is a huge opportunity. Take it with both hands. Clearex.com.au like around mentorship uh, can be really vague and poorly defined and what mentorship means to you know a a senior clinician or an owner is very different to the kind of mentorship an individual might expect absolutely and good to get that out in the open from day one and it's not a case of trying to say or you know from, from the interview not even from day one it would be good to clarify what the mentorship looks like and if that isn't something that you're comfortable with you know, if it's too much or too little, it's good to say that from the beginning because it could lead to headaches for both parties if, if, you, if you don't have those um, op- that open communication. For sure. And I think it should be kept in mind that it's a two-way conversation. It's a negotiation. So it's not necessarily that, oh, what kind of mentorship do you offer? You, it's really a negotiation. It's like this is what I would find really beneficial and it could be a combination of observation, tr- you performing the treatment under their supervision 
or they them sometimes coming in to assist you for the, the procedure or walk you through it or anything in between. But it's not like, what do you offer and am I okay with it? It's just like, well, what do I want? What am I comfortable with? But I think it's always a good sign if a senior clinician or an experienced clinician is willing to actually cut time out of their own production time to spend with you. I don't know if you work with your your associate dentist where you actually work with them like well, it's two dentists you know we make that joke two dentists for the price of one does that happen in your clinic yeah yeah absolutely so I have six or seven associate dentists at this stage and and the the experience levels vary and um, but for all of them I'm happy to block time out in my day or come in on my days off to help with cases one of the dentists is doing her first crown since graduation and I think I've got that afternoon blocked off so I can help out. And we've, you know, we've clarified what that help looks like. And I've done this for other dentists also. Some of them just want to know that I'm free and available to call on if they need. Others want me in the room with them. Even if I am free and available, I'm not just tucked away. I'll just poke my head in every self and see how they're going. Um, mentorship can also be discussing case, clinical cases. So we do that on a weekly basis where all of the dentists have lunch break at the same time and we um, discuss a couple of interesting cases from that week or from you know, that, that we've either seen recently or completed treatment for recently. And even with photographs, um, x-rays, it's really good to sort of go through, you know, what's before you, how you would approach the case and have it, having that open discussion. One, I don't know if you guys do this. I'm, I'm sure you, you, you might, but in our um, in my previous group practice, we had this rule that we would all share our failures if something went wrong or we had a just oh, like something just really stuffed up. We would sort of debrief and take that moment to reflect and everyone sort of got the the benefit of, of that failure, I suppose. I think that's where you know, we we obviously learn the most. But look, they're really good tips around um, defining what mentorship is, how it's offered, and knowing for yourself what what you would benefit from. Apart from the mentorship element, what other important questions should graduates be asking when they're looking for that first place to work? Other than mentorship and pathways for growth, um, I think that asking questions about the about the culture about staff turnover is a is an interesting one i like to encourage clinicians to ask about interesting cases or courses that the person interviewing you has just gone to because that can give you an insight into how passionate they are about what they do whether they see dentistry as a drudgery or if, if it's something that they're genuinely excited about yeah, I think um, because that's all very infectious. For me, I, I think um, another important thing that sometimes potentially young dentists may be a bit shy to ask, but I think it's completely appropriate, is about the flow of patients and, of course, the kind of treatment they would be expected to do, their busyness levels, what kind of marketing practices are in place, just so there's an anticipation of what's expected of them, what kind of treatment they're expected to do. There may also be the expectation of the clinic um, that you'd be a part of some of the marketing that they do as well. Like we've had dentists go out to local schools, uh, for example, um, to talk about brushing and they'd go with a senior dental assistant who's wearing a tooth fairy costume if it's for a younger group and finding out what that marketing looks like because 
um, not a lot of dental clinics emphasize that and they're not they may not ne- necessarily be focused as heavily on growth um, of, of the patient base. I think it's completely reasonable to contribute to some marketing efforts. I know some owners would might maybe agree or disagree, but um, I remember writing blog articles or contributing to like website copy, and I never, I didn't really mind, and it was actually um, an interesting experience. It didn't cost me a lot of time, but um, and I felt like I was contributing to the the growth, like. I, I was an asset to the business. I didn't, and I was happy to do that, and I, I don't regret it. I know others feel differently about that, especially if, depending on the kind of contractual arrangement you have with the business. But I think I don't think that's an issue at at all. No, not at all. It's um, it's a handy tool to to have, and it's also a good way to differentiate yourself. If you're writing those blogs, or who knows, maybe even taking part in a vlog or something like that, it can help establish you as the person to go to in that clinic for that treatment totally and what about do you have any comments about asking about patient flow and the kind of treatments they'd be expected to do interestingly i haven't had that question so much from new graduates i have from experienced centers who i've interviewed and i think it's a great question because in some cases you'd be joining a clinic and you're going to be a brand new book that they're trying to build and that you're trying to build as well, rather than taking over an existing book. Um, so knowing what that new patient flow is like will give you an idea of how long it will take you to build. Some clinics may not know what their retention rate is, but if they do, I think that's a good question to ask as well, because that will give you an idea of the systems that they have in place. Um, if they know that data, then they're going to they, they are going to be proactive with it. Uh, and they may already have system, systems in place to help support you holding on to your patients, whether that's the way the front office is trained or the dental assistants are trained. Those things will be would be very helpful in helping you build your books. If you know that 90 plus percent of, your, of the patients leaving are going to be booked back in, um, it may take a couple of months, but you're going to be full. Digital dentistry is a booming field that is becoming more popular by the day. If you've hesitated taking the plunge into what is a rapidly growing sector of our profession, then look no further. Avant Dental is a dental laboratory that specializes in digital dentistry. Avant Dental provides a range of services to dentists. Digital splints, digital wax-ups, implant guides, implant prosthetics, to our bread and butter crown and bridge work. They can do it all. Not only does Avant help in making sure you're doing everything right, but they are strong advocates for educating dentists. They've opened a new education center for clinical-based training sessions on all the latest techniques. Give them a call today or visit them at www.avantdental.com.au to find out more. to always track your own um, metrics as well but I think that's a topic for another time even if you're a new graduate I think it's important to know how you're going and Um, I used to track not I I didn't really track the financial metrics as much or even patient retention I used to track how I did for the actual treatment so I had a journal and I'd write down okay so today I did um, x fillings this is what went what I think went well this is what I think went poorly and I can try to do something different next time. 
Yeah, yeah. I think um, dentistry is a little bit lonely in that when you you have to do a lot of self-assessment, um, there's no one looking over your shoulder critiquing you anymore. So you've got to you've got to really be the judge, a harsh judge of your your own work, especially when you're young and there isn't a mentor around. Well, not just a harsh judge, but also your own your own cheerleader. You know, you, you're there saying, you know what that that restoration I did looked really good. Um, I, well, that restoration I did with anatomy still had anatomy after I adjusted for occlusion. <laughs> I still flattened them off. That, that's always nice. Yeah. So pretty. Yes. That's always nice. And so just, uh, I guess, one thing to finish off is, um, look, we're talking about this because it can go wrong. Like people do pick places where it doesn't work out. or So what are the ways, why is this important and what are we ultimately trying to avoid the reason why it's important is as a new graduate, clinical skills aren't quite, you know, you're still developing them. You know, I, I know you've just gone through five years of dental school and that's tough and, you, you know, you've passed all your exams, which is terrific, but um, you're going to learn a lot in the first few years out. If you're changing your job frequently, you're not going to see your work fail. And yes, it's hard to see your work fail, but you learn so much from it and it makes you a better dentist. So if you can find a place that you enjoy working, a place that helps support you, whether that's support you growing or just you know, supports you being you, then that will help you stay in that, that location for longer, build that patient base and see how your dentistry ages. That's probably one important aspect of it, having the time to review your work. So, so, yeah, seeing how it ages, as you said, exactly. But I think a really important part of picking the right place upon graduation is that in those formative years, there's, I guess, a disproportionate impact it has on your career. So the first one needs to be a good one, a place where you're supported, you like working, and you are offered the kind of dent like opportunities to perform the treatments that you want to um uh, develop your skills in so you know if you really really want to learn implants but all you get to do is checkups and cleans potentially you need to move on to somewhere else that you know allows you to do that treatment or be exposed to others doing that treatment but I think it's really important that just from an opportunity point of view that you're you're in the place that's nurturing your needs. And I also would urge young graduates to also push themselves a little bit. I know in the last, I guess, people graduating this year, they would have been really affected by COVID for, you know, third, fourth and fifth year. So I don't know, is there potentially they've had their confidence like shaken a bit with am I experienced enough? Have I had all that clinical? Um, have I missed out on clinical practice? Um, but I would just encourage everyone to just push themselves when they graduate and not be afraid to take calculated risks, um, even as a new graduate, as provided they're in the right environment. Well, I, I, I think that um, I, I encourage all of the dentists to stretch themselves by 10%. 10% is a very comfortable amount. You're not. You don't feel like you're being chucked into the deep end. You're, um, you're expanding in a safe way, um, and that expansion in the first few years is very, very fast. 
I think it slows down a little bit as you get along. Um, but it's, um, it's good to do that in an environment where you know you'll be backed up and where you know that if something goes awry, there's going to be that support. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully that has given some new graduates some tips this year on what to look out for, what questions to ask, and really the importance of picking the right place to work when you get out of dental school and into the big bad world. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists. Thank you.